Hey there, my name is Chris Wallace, and I am the lead pastor at Hope City Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. We exist to lead people to enjoy Jesus and multiply disciples in real life. We are so glad you're checking out our podcast today. We hope this message inspires you, challenges you, and most importantly, draws you closer to Jesus in a real way. For more information about Hope City, you can check out our website at hopecitybismarck.com. A quick show of hands. How many of you have heard of the book of Haggai before today? Okay, okay. Of those, how many of you have read the book of Haggai? Okay. And then of those, how many of you have studied the book of Haggai? Right on. Okay, so we got a few that have studied. That was kind of what I was going for. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. Um, but this is, this is so good because this is such a great book in the Bible. Uh, the message of this book, <clears throat> it's so profound. Um, and the implications of this, of this book through the rest of the Bible story, they're pretty, they're pretty big. But unfortunately, we don't have time to get to every little detail. We're just in chapter one today. Um, but before we get through it, I just want to give a little background on the book of Haggai. And also want to say this too before I start. If I, if I stop and just like start drinking water, I'm getting over a cold here. So I'm trying not to just like cough into the mic or completely lose my voice this morning. So that's why I, uh, I just need to kind of freshen up my, my, my windpipes there a little bit. But anyway, <clears throat> so we're going to start kind of in the, in the who Haggai is, the purpose of the writing of it, where it lands in the Bible. So Haggai is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Um, and that word minor does not mean that he is lesser of a prophet. It just means that he had less to say than some of the other prophets. He wrote less. Um, and the book of Haggai is very short. It's going to be found in the back of your Old Testament. Um, it's, it's one page or maybe two pages, depending on how big the print in your Bible is or small. But um, if it might be easier to find it if you just flip to Matthew and go back about 15, 20 pages. Um, it might be easier to find it there. <clears throat> and um, the purpose of Haggai writing this, the, the meaning behind it, he's writing to the Israelites to renew their walks with the Lord. Um, and that, that is kind of the bigger spiritual implications. We just read the text together, but it talks about building the temple. Uh, the bigger implication is that, that they renew their walk with the Lord in the audience, in the background of this book. Um, the, 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 this kind of helps frame our under, our understanding of it this morning. And, and it's the, the people that Haggai brought this message to were the Israelites who had been exiled. Um, and <clears throat> so this takes place in a time that is after the exile and the people were let back into the homeland and they were able to begin rebuilding the temple. And I would imagine you get back in there. I think they've been, it's about 50,000 people, um, that are, that are back in Israel. And I would imagine, um, that, that, there's some excitement about, oh, yeah, we're back home. Woo-hoo. You know, they're excited, and they immediately they start rebuilding the temple. And then they just stop. They get the foundation set, and then they just stop. Um, in this letter um, that, that Haggai writes, this, this uh, prophecy, it, it is about 20 years after they stopped rebuilding the temple. So this is about 20 years have gone by. 50,000 people have just kind of busied themselves up with their own life and have quit putting God at the forefront of their lives. And if we think about it, I think that sounds a lot like what we do in our own lives, right? I cannot tell you the number of times that I've started something and not finished it. 
Um, I, I even like when I was in, um, uh, doing my undergrad at ASU, I dropped out of classes that did not give me deadlines and that said, Hey, your deadline is the end of the semester. I'll just drop out. Cause I know I'd fail. I need those deadlines. I need people like, Hey, this is due then because I, I just can't tell you I've start stuff. And then I just, I just don't finish it. Whether it's a diet, a book, a video game, a hobby, a project at home, a Bible reading plan, a prayer journal, a Bible study, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I have found myself excited to start something and then I just struggle to kind of see it through to the end. And that's exactly what has happened here in this passage, right? The Israelites were allowed back into their homeland. Like I said, I believe it was about 50 years um, of captivity that they had been allowed back in to to kind of restart their lives, uh, rebuild the temple. And yet quickly they get set in their own ways and just put God to the wayside. And then 20 years pass them by, right? They're just doing their own thing. Um, and this is important to note because the temple is where God is worship. It, it, it is the dwelling place of God. And it still is. It's just that different. Now we don't go to a physical temple anymore. We, we, we have Jesus is the temple, right? So if we, um, if we, if we see that, right, the, the dwelling place, the temple is the dwelling place of God's Holy spirit. So hear this, this is from uh first Corinthians. It says this, but it won't be on the screen, so we'll just hear it. It is, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, who you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So when it says we are bought with a price, that was Jesus. When he died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins, the penalty that we committed against God. He bought that, right, with his life on the cross. And he stands in victory. We just sing about it. He stands in victory over that sin. So all of that background is crucial to our understanding of this passage, though. So we're not just talking about, you know, we're not just talking about putting up a big random building. We're talking about the, the dwelling place of God Almighty. So look back at the beginning of the passage. We're going to start in verse 2. Um, and we kind of have, you know, sometimes if you're a note taker, it's nice to have different... Um, different title heading. So we're going to do two through six and I'm going to call this the people's failure. It says this, thus says the Lord of hosts, the people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it a time for you, your swells to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. So after we read that, just that part, I almost feel like I don't really have to say anything else. Um, Because this message... Uh, the message of this this portion right here, these four verses, I think it hits a little too close to home for us. Um, you know, we say all the time that uh, the Bible was written for us, but not to us. I am pretty sure that this particular message was written to directly to America, right? No, but like all jokes aside, this is a great message for us to learn that lies within these verses. Uh, this is what I was talking about when I said in the intro that the Israelites had become so consumed with themselves that they had put God to the wayside. Remember, I, I said they, they laid the foundation of the temple. And then in their own selfishness, their own apathy, 
Uh, they just let it sit there for 20 years. They did nothing else with it. It was just not finished while they built up their own houses. They built up their own lives. Um, and I think it's a really good parallel for how we, in America, we live our lives. It's Christian or non-Christian alike, I think we all do this. We just spend our lives so busy going from one thing to the next and lose track of what really matters. But if you call yourself a Christian this morning, you look just like the Israelites here who have quit building God's temple in pursuit of the things of the world. When we get distracted with our houses, oh, got to have a nice house and got to have good clothes and got to have you know, great food to eat. And is, you know, these are good things. But when we let that be a distraction away from what God is calling us to, we're missing the point. And then before you know it, we're just like them in this story and 20 years of our life have gone by and we really haven't done anything, you know, in God's spirit. We haven't done anything through the power that God calls us to and and gives us through his son and through his Holy spirit. Um, and if you, if you find yourself to be that person, to be so busy, just chasing after stuff, it's just stuff is all it is. Right. But never having enough, you have to do what Haggai says here and consider your ways. Um, I don't normally have sermon titles for my sermons. I usually, it's just normally it'd be Haggai chapter one, verses one through 15, but I thought I'd get all creative this week and come up with a really creative sermon title from the passage called consider your ways. So if you're a note taker there, that's the sermon title for you, but it is, it's, you have to consider your ways. You have to consider who or what you're really chasing after. And you have to ask whose kingdom you are serving. So the goal of the Christian life is not, is not to busy ourselves up with stuff and lose sight of God's purpose is to focus on God and worship him in all of life. And God has called us to a purpose, just like he has called the Israelites in this passage to a purpose, um, to, to rebuild the temple. Right. But as we continue to walk through these scriptures, I think we'll see that God doesn't just leave us to our own devices, but he calls us back to him. So this is next is verses seven through 11. We'll call this that God calls his people, right? It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. There it is again. He's, he's telling them, you gotta, you gotta realign. You gotta refocus, consider your ways, go up to the Hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it. And that I may be glorified says the Lord, you looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. So we see here that this is not by accident that the people have been having a hard time being satisfied in all their busyness, all their work and all their stuff, all of everything that they're trying to do. Um, no matter what they do, they are not satisfied for 20 years. They've just been stuck in this cycle and it's because they keep putting themselves ahead of God. They have quit living for God and have been living for themselves instead. So there's a tension here in this moment. Um, and the tension is that we've all done this at some point in our journey of faith. We started living for ourselves instead of living for God. And maybe we're frustrated that things aren't going the way that we want them to. But when we align or realign ourselves with God and his purposes, it's amazing when things start to shape up. 
Listen to this from Proverbs 4, uh, 5, and 6. It says this, that trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So God does not fail, right, when we falter. That's not God's failure. It's our failure. But in this tension of these passages, right, because we see it there that the reason they're having such a hard time in life, the reason that they, they have food, but they're never full. They have clothes, but they're never warm. They have all this stuff, right? But there's no satisfaction. It's because they've put God on the back burner. They've just ignored him. The, the hope that we find in this is that God does not leave us. So let's just keep reading and we'll see that in the passage. It says in 12 through 14, this is renewed priorities um, is what we call this. And then it says the Lord or then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God in the words of Haggai, the prophet as the Lord, their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So we're going to kind of begin the wind down of this passage where we're not done yet, but we're getting closer to it, right? And I want to focus on one sentence um, that, that comes out of these scriptures right here, verses 12 through 14. So look again in verse 13. It says, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. And this is this right here is the part I don't want you to miss. It says, I am with you, declares the Lord. How great is that, right? I am with you, declares the Lord. This is one of those that I feel like we just like we'll see it when we read it. And we miss that. I am with you, declares the Lord. That's profound. So the Israelites in this passage have disobeyed for 20 years. For 20 years, they've lived for themselves. In one act of obedience, God graciously says that I am with you. And the truth of this is that is that it God never left them, right? They just got lost along their way. Um, God does not leave us. It says in De- Deuteronomy 31, 8, says that it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you and he will not leave you or forsake you. And that is the greatest, um, that's the greatest truth that we can know in this life that God never leaves us. We might lose sight of him, um, right? But he is always with us and always bringing us back to him. And how long it takes us to realize that it might be different. Uh, you know, it might be, we have this, uh, on again, kind of off again relationship. We have a good week, quote unquote, and a bad week in your walk with God. Um, if that's true, God is still there. He never left you. Maybe it's, you've been wayward. You've been wandering for 20 years. If that's true, God is still there. Maybe, maybe you have not placed faith in him yet. Maybe I've not placed faith in the cross and Jesus and who he is. Doesn't matter. God is still there. Um, and, and if that's you, to use our passage, right, to use the words from the passage, you have to consider um, if you're the person who is, you, you have enough, but you're never satisfied, right? God's still there calling you, and you have to consider your ways, as it says in the passage. Um, and we know this 
because of Jesus, we sang about it this morning, that, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to save us. That's not just a happy song we sing. That's a literal word of God that we're singing back to him when we sing that. I, I love that song. I love the message of that song. I love the, the way it's written. And that's John 3.16. That's one of the most popular verses in the whole Bible. I'm pretty sure everybody in the room knows that one. Um, and this, this is the hope that we have and we must cling to it. That God is with us, and not only is he with us, but he sent a Savior for us to pay the price of our sin that we never could have afforded. So the opportunity, it's there, right? Whether, whether it's a first-time profession or whether it's you've been adrift and you need to draw near to God, he is there, and he has never left you. <clears throat> so this kind of leaves us with one question that I want to ask. To boil the whole, the whole sermon down to one moment, I just want to ask, whose kingdom are you serving? That's it. That's my bottom line. Whose kingdom are you serving? Right? Because that's, that's, what this, that's what this passage is about. You have a people that have been rescued from exile. They've been brought out of exile 50 years. Some of them longer than that. Some of them, some of them less than that. But let's just we'll call it 50 years. We'll, we'll cut the difference. We'll, we'll take the average. About 50 years they've been exiled. They were, they were slaves. They were they were. They were they were conquered, right? Their, their city destroyed, and they've been brought back in to be able to rebuild their lives, to rebuild God's temple. There's so much in this passage that we, we don't really have time to get to today. But then when they start, they do start rebuilding the temple. And then there's people that, that have lived long enough that remember the old temple. And then they get discouraged again, right? And they say, oh, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. So then they get discouraged. But then their faith ends up being restored again. And then the, the temple is rebuilt. And, and I think that's just such a great picture for how we treat God in our own life. We, we have aspirations. We have excitement about things and we're, we're doing, we're doing everything. We're so excited. And then we go, Oh, it's just not good enough though. That guy sings better than me. Or that person is a better, uh, whatever witness to their friends than I am. Or that person knows more about the Bible than I do. That's, that's not, that's not, what it's about. The heart of this message is that we are in pursuit of God, right? It's to answer that question. Whose kingdom are you serving? That's what we have to, we have to consider our ways. There it is again, right? We have to, we have to consider our ways. We have to focus on that and, and answer whose kingdom are we serving? Are we living for ourselves? Are we just living, uh, are we just living for the things of this world? We're trying to get a better house, a nicer car, nicer clothes, the right perfect job. Or are we in pursuit of God? Because I promise you, if you pursue God, if you put God first at all your plans, you, he won't fail you. It might not be your perfect dream scenario, right? It, it might not be, but he will not fail you. And he will guide every step that you take. So that's where we're... we're we're going we're gonna to wrap up here, and then we're going to move into a time of response and communion together. And I just want everybody to focus on that question. It doesn't matter if you're a new believer, if you're not a believer, if you've been a believer your whole life and you feel like you have the greatest walk with God that you've ever had in your life. If you feel like you're at peak walk with God right now, it does not matter. You have to answer that question of whose kingdom are you serving? Right, because this is a broken world that we live in, and we all falter. So we all need to, we all need to come back to that and ask ourselves, whose kingdom are we serving? So let's pray together this morning. Father God, I just, um, I'm thankful for your word, God. I'm thankful that um, even in the 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 very short book of Haggai, God, that there's so much in there, 
Lord, that, that, that is just so powerful that we need to understand God. And Lord, we, we don't have time to touch every little detail in this book, God, but the, the heart of this message is whose kingdom are we serving God? And Lord, I pray that if there are any in this room that are not serving your kingdom, God, not serving to glorify you, Lord, that they consider their ways, that they realign with your purpose for their life. Lord, that they would not be wayward. Lord, they would not wander and be so consumed with themselves, God, that they just forget about you and just let 20 years of their life pass them by. The, the amount of time that passes by is irrelevant, God. But the, the truth is that we all do that. We lose focus of you. So, Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for community. I'm thankful for brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that, that, that sharpen us, right? Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Lord, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to have people around me that, that build me up to be stronger in you, that don't just let me be wayward in life. So, Lord, I pray that, that everybody in this room can do that for one another, Lord, that we don't just let people float along, but we, we help people come back to your word to come back to you and consider our ways, Lord, and answer the question, whose kingdom are we serving? And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.